Casey Must. I'm the owner and founder of Citizen Yoga in Detroit and Cleveland, and you are listening to After Class. After Class is our podcast where we get to expand on Citizen's mission. We bring forward the stories of our teachers, the messages that we talk about in class, and especially in season two, uh, I'm really making an effort to bring in people in our outer community who have a similar mission. And our mission is to bring mental health, wellness, both obviously physically and mentally to the greater community. And today I'm so excited to have my guest, Brooke Buys. Uh, she is the founder of Blend Health and they are a team of clinical professionals who emphasize accountability, they value relationships, and I can tell you I've worked with them now a little bit, and it's so true that they value relationships. And they offer a strengths-based, strengths-based off-the-couch approach to mental health. So you guys are gonna see them on our digital platform, you're gonna hear them on our podcast, and you just, I mean, you have such a dynamic team, wouldn't Thank you say? You. Yes, we love our people. I mean, it's real. Yes. When I started the business about four or five years ago, I started it as a, I was completely burnt out of the field. And what I was seeing was not only clients and patients burnt out in the field, but a lot of my fellow colleagues. And so knowing that it was something that was not about me and really that my therapeutic role would transition and evolve into something where we can cultivate a space for clinicians and for practitioners to come in and practice mental health, be creative, um, work together, try to work in a collaborative spirit around how they can connect with clients and be, you know, client-centered care. So they are really rad individuals. They, I think they would all say that the courtship in terms of onboarding with us is um, quite a long process, but we're always mindful because that's the person we're putting in front of folks and that means a lot to us, so... Yeah, you, their team, and you guys will hear them on different episodes uh, coming up. And again, they're filming our new digital platform, or if you're listening to this later, it'll be our existing digital platform. Um, we're going to video them and we'll talk about cover topics. I mean, some of the main topics we want to talk about addiction, mm-hmm. uh, anxiety, obviously, anxiety, depression management, Some of the topics that you guys really specialize in, performance anxiety, which I think is really important, especially if you're a yoga teacher out there or a teacher in general. Um, Other things, body image. Yeah, body image. I think in in respect to the performance piece, it's it's interesting since we brought John on board. Um, He's been with us for about a year. And when you think about performance, oftentimes we think about these high performing, you know, uh, athletes, uh, musicians, performers on a stage but I think what we've been able to do with him and with all of us working together is thinking about you know it is a daily performance every day waking up and we have so many different roles Mm -hmm. and I think when we think about integrating all the roles and how to perform in which ways that aren't pulling us in different directions which then spike anxiety and kind of discomfort um, puts the performance piece in a different space and we've often utilized that with addiction too looking at recovery and through the lens of performance and looking at that every one day at a time yeah that that is a performance too so really kind of teasing apart that performance concept but we work with folks as young as nine all the way up into 60s we're across the board the field of mental health usually does a great job of 
saying, okay, this is what we specialize in and all of us have our unique niche areas and expertise, but um, our model really is is open to anyone that's kind of willing to step in and it's very much a co-authorship. So we do um, expect a lot out of our clients to be able to co-author their journey with us, but oh, I love that. that takes a while after building a relationship and then they're ready to do it, so. I think that there's a specific willingness in the yoga industry um, sometimes I've noticed that people doing going to therapy are much more intimidated of going to yo of going to a yoga class, and one of the things I I hope our partnership does is the people in the yoga industry who are practitioners who are so willing to um, improve themselves. Sometimes the only hurdle is finding like feeling like it's overwhelming. Like there's a huge sea of therapists out mm-hmm. there, and what if I can't find the right one and and so I think that hopefully our relationship and we're going to make relationships with other mental health professionals mm-hmm. in the area, it'll become clear that there are really good people out there um, that you can start a mental health relationship with. And it means, oh my God, it is game changing. Yeah. If you're not in talk, if you have never tried talk therapy, <laughs> you should. If you used to do it and you need to do it again, you should do it. If you're doing it right now, um, we're going to talk today. I'm super excited about talking about how do you find the right therapist? And most importantly, how do you break up with the therapist? I think that this is like, Brooke is Brooke and I have laughed about this, but it's like therapist dating 101. Yeah, speed dating. We should really host, you know, if there's <laughs> therapists out there in the community that are willing to, you know, once COVID's over, if we could do some speed dating. Uh, it's important in your, you know, what you said about just starting easier said than done, but there are so many mental health professionals out there. And I think now more than ever that we have all of these ways in which we can look for them is also overwhelming for folks. And so I think trying to help people understand where or how to start that process and that um, it doesn't have to end with the first call that you make or Mm -hmm. the first consultation, any mental health professional, um, that is opening up their space for a consultation should meet you where you're at and know that if the match isn't with them, that there's a lot of resources they can put you in contact with. And I'm hopeful that there's a lot of folks in the field that operate within that construct that here we are for you. If you need a higher level of care, here's some referrals or here's an additional, you know, something specific like EMDR or, um, other niche areas that that's an important part of the process and that you do have to, kind of keep showing up and that's part of the journey is showing up for yourself and showing up each time that you make a call but I you know starting with your network is what's important to consider people in your life um, other people that have had positive experiences um, knowing that the single experience that you may have had you know when you were 12 or 15 or 18 whenever you may have had that original therapeutic experience if you have done therapy Mm -hmm may not have been because it was your choice. And so I think it's important, you know, what we always advocate is, you know, agency in the sense of you get to choose, you have the power to choose. We don't have these white coats and all these labels, like we're not accepting or taking you. You get to choose us. And so Mm -hmm. part of that choice process is really you believing that you can have that choice. It takes a while Mm -hmm. and you have to be prepared to shop around and interview around. I know that sounds interesting, but it is your brain and your body and your soul and be prepared to, you know, take advantage of all the, you know, Mm -hmm. free consultations that are out there. There's a lot of 
great ways to sort of start to feel it around for yourself. So there's so many things you just touched on. I think one thing that you touched on that's really important that we emphasize at Citizen is that if it's a good cure, it's not instant. And um, one of the sayings we recently have sort of honed in on is this idea that insight isn't instant. Mm-hmm. And if you expect instant result, uh, you're, this is where the training and accountability comes in, you'll be disappointed. Mm-hmm. However, at the same time, when you find the right person, which we're going to talk about, there is an instant connection that is it's sort of indescribable it really is almost like finding a partner you're like ah there's something about you that makes me feel at ease that makes me feel understood that you can push a boundary mm-hmm. and it's it's okay not that not that it's comfortable um so i think that the first thing i would love to tackle is well let, there's two things one is how do you know when you need therapy that that is already something that people are like well do I need it do I not need it Mm because I do think that even if we're not conscious there is a stigma attached to going to therapy which is why on my Instagram I started lessons from therapy yeah because people should know that whether you're perceived as a successful person or not there's so much self-work underneath the surface that each person I think is obligated to be doing Um, so that's the first question is how do you know when you need therapy and the second is how do you know when it's the right person so the how do i know if i need therapy when i start therapy all of that and i think um we're the position that we're in right now as a culture in terms of this stigma around mental health where it's a really great period of time right now around mental Mm -hmm. health because everyone has a platform or is trying to create space to be able to speak about mental health in a really open manner. I'm not quite entirely convinced that that really encourages the voices inside your head that should I go to, I don't think that that offers clarity. It might just offer some awareness. So there's a difference between that awareness piece and do I really need to do this? So I think, you know, for why should I start therapy could be a variety depending on what stage, season, age of life that you're in. I always encourage folks to consider a space that's it's objective. Uh, It is a space to process, even if you're going to be able to just talk and talk out loud. Uh, Observations that you might see in yourself or maybe other people might make about you could be ways in which you can pay attention to, you know, this would be a good time for therapy. Um, That would include, you know, disconnection you might not be able to put language around it sometimes again it goes with that feeling yeah the feeling that you have when you're in a safe comfortable space that you feel is trusted that like you're being like looked into your soul is the same feeling that something is shifting i need help sorting and sifting is what i always say sort of like a little colander and i don't know what it is And we all come into this earth with lots of cycles and patterns and generations before us. And for no reason other than just to unpack for the next Mm -hmm. generation would be a reason to go to therapy. Totally. Whether you're single, whether you're in a family unit, whatever it might look like, we all could benefit from looking at where we came from, where we are right now, and what we hope to do with ourselves and our community and our homes and in our workplaces. So I think, you know, it can show up in behaviors, it can show up in symptoms, it can show up with, you know, in the field, you know, acute cases where there's a crisis or there's been a significant shift in your life around 
trauma or divorce, incarceration. There's so many mm-hmm. things that we see on like the big screen that would let us feel comfortable going into therapy, but we want to encourage folks to come into therapy for all purposes. Before those, I mean, before. even before those, yeah, you before. know, I think that there's, there are subtle changes and I mean, I can talk about myself, like during, during COVID, there was a moment where I just realized that I couldn't hold it all myself mm-hmm. and I didn't want my, my partners or my friends to be the consistent resource because then my relationship just became a, a throwing of all of my stress on them and like I want my relationships to be places of conversation yeah but like joy it, absolutely and those roles also you know we love our family and friends we also know that's the piece about the biases right in terms of knowing that I'm going to make this call or this connection with this family member or friend and I know as candid and as brutally honest as they can be, they're still biased. There's totally. still there's a, this, a love line, and that's terrific. So mm-hmm. I think being mindful of knowing when those relationships to give yourself space. Yeah. And again, yeah, they can show up in symptoms, behaviors. Um, obviously, major major life shifts and changes are is a good opportunity. But you know, having that sacred space carving out that time, whether it's once a week, once a month, to be able to just verbally process. Um, And, you know, if you don't know what those, you know, sometimes with certain histories and narratives and environments that we're raised in, we don't know that what we're experiencing isn't normal. So whether it's our heightened hypervigilance in our body or if it's sleep cycles or Um, substance use, so much of what's around us and embedded in us or trauma that's existed before us is in us and we don't know that it's supposed to be distant and and separate and something Mm. that should be, you know, so um, that takes some more time to be able to, and and unfortunately some of those are the circumstances that happen as a reactive space to therapy rather than proactive, but. I think that there is um, two things here. One is, you know, I want to talk about a lot of people will say to me, well, I can't afford it. Um, and we have to talk about therapy as seen as a, a privilege, which is true. I mean, that's why one day Citizen will have a nonprofit that will make therapy more available to people in our fantasy world of more Citizen Yoga. However, um, I want to talk about therapy as seen as a privilege because it is um, in, in a lot of ways. But on the flip side, I will say that a lot of people who tell me they can't afford it, they're going on vacations, they're eating out. Yep. There's a lot of ways to negotiate other needs. And I think the thing that people miss is that prioritizing therapy will make your life feel like a vacation. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how exciting your vacation is. If your mind isn't good, then your world isn't good. And so let's just like, what are some of the different ways that people, if they're going to engage in therapy, what are, what's out there for them if it's not just self-pay? Okay, so I love that we're talking about this. It's important to be able to not only talk about the value placed in therapy for the act of therapy for yourself, but also it's important and part of our mission is to be able to um, place value on our clinician's work. Mm. So in terms of what you know, out-of-pocket models and self-pay models, you know, ours is one of those. And we started that because of our value that we have for our clinicians and our desire to be able to keep our clinicians in this field for a very long time, not on high caseloads. 
And so being able to um, support them and support their creativity, support their planning, support documentation, to be able to do that um, takes a little bit of a different model. Outside of the out-of-pocket model, it's important for folks to understand that uh, the insurance system is a system. If you do have insurance, uh, to be able to look through your insurance directory, uh, if you don't wanna do that alone, uh, any reasonable therapeutic practice will help you look through that directory and to be able to guide you in a way that says, okay, this is the list of individuals. It looks like we're on it. It doesn't look like we're on it over here. So your insurance directory should give you an indication of who's out there and what they're offering. Um, it will also give you an idea of like your copay, a health savings account reimbursement. Yep. Anything out of your network, and some folks don't always see this, is if you have insurance, you can still submit an out-of-network reimbursement yeah. to your insurance. Is it going to be cumbersome and take some paperwork? Yes, but again, any clinician and therapeutic practice should be able to then give you documentation to be able to say, I've seen Casey for six sessions. Um, we are out of network, but here's my license number, X, Y, and Z. Let's see if we can get you for reimbursement. Yeah. Uh, more and more health insurance companies are um, increasing their reimbursements for out of network practitioners. So I would encourage folks to just really do the homework. I know that that can be the big, the biggest barrier is pay or insurance or whatever that might look like, but it's worth uh, combing through that. And um, yeah. I think I answered your That's question great. around yeah. like insurance think, and out-of-pocket. And yeah, I think that and the prioritizing. value is... And I mean, you have to prioritize. Like, that was something that, you know, you, you know, even in my own head, I'm like, oh, man, like, okay, I have to pay for therapy. But I realize that it makes my life... And I'm not saying that therapy is just this magical answer, so don't think that if you're listening. I think that it's a complement to a good yoga practice. Yeah. I do acupuncture. Like, so my triad, I call it, like, my holy triad talk therapy, acupuncture, yoga. That's what works for me. Mm -hmm. Like you might find something else that will work for you. And that is what is, yes, everyone has a different jam. And yeah. so just finding that out and knowing that you might jam out for a few years with this particular, mm. like particular triad or therapist, whatever it is that you're jamming out with, that you, mm. the point of it is that you evolve and you grow. And so you might find yourself in a space where you might want to add or subtract or be able to mix some things up. And the priority is being able to prioritize the mental health piece and the therapy piece is, is really Essential. important and a difficult conversation often to have with clients that aren't willing to, um, you know, I think the privilege piece comes into there. And so trying to work with clients um, in a sliding scale or being able to support other ways in which you can engage with communities to be able to deliver your mental health care services to folks yeah. that might be at more risk, I think is should be a part of um, our vision and mission as practitioners in the field. Mm -hmm. um, and then also being real with folks about like, I see you drinking Starbucks five times a week at yeah. 565 a cup. Yeah. Um, and I'm not see, saying that you need to see us once yeah. a week. You could see us once a month and you could also see an EMDR. And, you can, you know, I think being able to be with someone that you feel the feels with and also can help you co-author, yeah. what can this look like for you? Because you are different right. than the next person. And so, um, yeah, and placing value on that. And it, it should be something that has mental health and mental health care 
And she people are really giving. So like give people a chance to give back to you. I think that that's part of it. And if mm-hmm. they can't, they won't. Like, you know, Brooke and, Brooke and myself were one of the things that her company is doing with me is providing in exchange for sort of being with us, like a therapy group for our teachers. And that was extremely important to me because um, I know that it's really hard right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just don't underestimate people's good nature because some people really will give you a, they will work with you on a sliding scale, etc. And so just remembering that if you're listening to this, yeah. like don't be afraid to ask ask I think that's the what we hope will happen yeah by showing up yeah is that you ask and you start asking for yourself and you start speaking your truth you start advocating for yourself the worst nothing terrible could happen right but so if you're listening to this do it <laughs> go right now and stop the podcast and stop thinking about going to therapy and like reach out to Brooke's team somebody that you know somebody that you worked with um in terms of I know we have to talk about breaking up, but in terms of, I've seen a lot recently, and maybe you can talk about this, and and I found that I've gotten into this trip fall before, but um, in terms of relationship management, I think that we miss out a lot in couples and couple therapy because there is, I, I mean, this is personal, but I think that there's an unconscious stigma around if as a couple you're seeing a therapist especially right now because of covid because there's so much more closeness there's so many ways you can't avoid your partner the things that you yeah so much togetherness yeah a lot of togetherness and it's forcing you to have conversations that you maybe you didn't want to have and i listen to people are like oh we broke up i'm like why did you break up well we couldn't talk about this thing we couldn't communicate it i'm like did you see somebody no okay did you see somebody yes did it work? No. Well, then it wasn't the right person. I mean, of course, there are extenuating circumstances where you're in the wrong relationship. But how can you, how do you work within like a relationship model where you can bring therapy into your relationship when you need it, exit it when you don't need it? How would you do that if you were giving um, couples advice? Yeah, so for couples and family systems, I would speak to this because we, our models, often so often works with larger family systems mm-hmm. uh, and we were birthed in the homes of many many families so before we got any of our brick and mortars we worked um, strictly home-based interventions and home-based services which we adore doing and we can't wait to get back out in people's homes as soon as possible but i speak to this in every family system because a couple and a partnership is a mini family system before the larger one exists and they came from previous family systems citizen yoga is a family system Mm -hmm. and so if we look at a family system model and look at it through the lens of roles and needs and uh, what's being met and not met and how that all shakes out and what we bring in to our partnership totally and you know our culture for both genders and you know across the board creates some really interesting expectations for for partnerships if we're just specifically talking about couples in terms of what are we willing to look at before we even get involved i think stage and age of development for certain couples is important to consider too Mm. Um, our brains are not fully wired for adulthood until about 26 Mm -hmm. and if you think about what 
when people are getting married. Yeah. Yeah. And what we are expecting of folks when they get together or what we might be telling our uh, young men or our young women in terms of having those conversations and those young adults aren't particularly uh, set up with a foundation to have some of those hard conversations. Uh, Intimacy is not uh, something that we often embrace when we think about conflict either. And so those like gritty, important conversations are like the building blocks. That's the intimacy piece. You know, I think we all love the fireworks and we love when we're gelling and and the passion and those intimacy moments, but the other intimate moments in terms of how can we handle truth with one another? How can we handle respect? Mm. How can we look at one another with candor and love and compassion and be able to work through whatever crunch it is that we're crunching in. Mm. Those are the pieces that are important to look at in addition to any kind of underlying like values that just might be a mismatch. Yeah. And so, you know, John can speak to that a little bit more in terms of like where are our values intrinsically, where are we connected as a couple, as a family unit, where our values are in alignment or not in alignment. And we don't, you know, I think that that starts with the individual. And so when couples are looking for couples therapy, uh, we offer the opportunity to be able to work with both. We can separate, we can like move the couple around. Uh, The individual piece of it is really important for the both individuals to be able to have a voice and to have some space and then come together with someone that can just translate. They're not here to say, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this right. This is someone that can be able to enter a really sacred space of a relationship to be able to translate and be of service and um, offer tools and ways in which those two individuals can still thrive in a partnership. Mm. It's a long journey, depending on where they are, you know, in terms of commitment, whether it's a marriage, whether it's further along in the marriage, whether it's a new couplehood. The way that like people present their marriages, their relationships, you know, there's such a disconnect between and I don't want to go on a tangent, but I do want to just mention that like the way that, you know, you witness a couple on social media, the way you witness somebody even in public. Adam always says to me, like, because I'll be like, God, like they just seem so great or He's like, you never know what's going on in somebody's marriage. You never know. And it's like, not to be like, oh, I'm interested. I just mean, you know, the assumption is that I hear from people a lot is like, oh, well, everybody else has it together. And I think figuring out in a relationship and in a marriage, what are landmarks that make your relationship okay? And what are landmarks that make your relationship like need therapy? It's, I always find that one of the things I've, uncovered it's like we're having the same conversation about the same thing in the exact same way on repeat okay that might mean we need third party and that's sort of how I think of my own relationship with myself I'm having the same conversation on repeat with the same level of dysfunction or the same level of unconscious thinking I need somebody else to come in and help yeah and often we miss that moment where when we're feeling really safe with someone that is when something literally almost comes up out of your stomach or your chest and something is triggered. And so paying attention to that like safety and, ooh, I have not felt this before, can be a really, really great opportunity to look at why do I feel this way? This is unearthing some kind of cycle, pattern, history, 
And those are such great moments to, and am I gonna get defensive right now? Am mm-hmm. I going to become resentful? Am I, what is my reaction to this? Especially mm-hmm. in intimate partnerships. What happens in that moment when you're really feeling safe? Do you lean in and look into it and, and trust the space knowing that it's safety? Or do you become defensive? Do you become resentful? Do you kind of start keeping a score? You know, what does that look like? Do you fall into old patterns and cycles? Um, we all came from a previous generation and our, you know, however that looked for all of us, it is still unresolved until we get into that deep, intimate partnership. Yeah. Unresolved, not in a bad way, no, just, just unresolved in a way that we but still, isn't that your it's journey? like the snakes shedding skin, right? you know, that it's part of the journey and um, you're learning a new language with someone, a very new language. So to be able to early and often be able to look out just as you would with yourself for proactive ways to engage folks in conversations, yeah. knowing that you're on the same page and being able to think about, you know, there's a beautiful part of Glennon Doyle's new book, Untamed, where she talks about islands and like, where's your island? You're on it. No one's entering this. You've got, I used to have a therapist that would say, Brooke, keep the blinds shut, the doors closed. This is your partnership that you can start focusing on. Oh, I love that. What do you do to start building that house? And that was before, you know, personally, that was before my husband and I decided to have kids. And so thinking about what do you do to like, take care of that home before you build a family and it that's that's hard because some of the doors that you're shutting and the windows that you're shutting their family their family yeah. so that's one of those things where it's yeah. like dude you and I are in this and we are going to have to have some mm-hmm. tough conversations with each other but also people that they've raised us we're on we're we're moving into our own island mm-hmm. shutting our doors we're going to start a family unit um there's some beautiful stuff around native american traditions in terms of um postpartum care and how to kind of create that space where no one enters after Mm. a period of time both after a wedding ceremony and then after the birth of children so I should talk about yeah I know it's really it's good stuff so I you know it's all learning and it's all evolving but I would encourage folks you know but there's this like pressure you know I can I, I think that there's this there is a pressure it's not I think there is a pressure in terms of your timeline and when people you know you get engaged and it's like when's your marriage you get married when's your kids and I mm-hmm. think that there's a the lag time between when you start your partnership in marriage which I really for me was a very different experience than being than dating some people mm-hmm. are like I didn't I couldn't tell the difference so maybe that is some people that are listening I feel like it was a very different experience and then there is this like okay this is bound and how part of the time between marriage and family is the time of exactly right, like building that inner island of, Mm -hmm. well, before we have kids, we have to make sure we know how to communicate about this issue and this issue and what are our values and how do we share them. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that time, we don't accommodate for enough in our culture. We don't say like, all right, guys, hey, you should take two years and like really learn about how you should be in a marriage together. It's mm-hmm. really that because our minds are so focused on what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Oh, like the next joy, the next thing that's going to fill our lives. Okay, I have wedding blues. Yeah. You know, now what's my next celebration? Yeah. And there's, I think the great, if, if couples are thinking of having children enter their lives, the biggest gift that you can provide is to start 
looking at some of the insecurities and some of the pieces and parts that come up from those patterns that can be examined before kids enter. Mm -hmm. Parenthood is riddled with, could be riddled with insecurities. And if you begin modeling that in your partnership before kids, you are giving such a great gift to your kids to be able to see like my voice, like this is how I I could give a fuck what other people think, Mm -hmm. but this is what we're doing in our house. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm doing because I'm my own person. Easier said than done, but now more than ever, you know, I I did not, I'm looking at my phone right now, I didn't have social media when I was pregnant or with mm. kids that wasn't there. So I think this, this what ne- it's exacerbated for everyone mm-hmm. in all of these new moments of life, but mm. being able to just take a hot minute and let it simmer like a good right. pot of chili, I don't, and just yeah. let it hang for a while and then just know parenthood and familyhood and couplehood it is it is be open and one day at a time and and be open to it and pay attention to your gut and your heart and let that be and I think the center uh, of your compass yeah and that's really when you pick a therapist there is a trust you know part of what you're doing in asana is you're building you know you're using prana to build a bridge between the mind the body and the mind and a therapist is just sort of like a contracted company. You're like, ah, I couldn't figure out this engineering problem. I love that. Right? Yes, yeah. Like, I can't figure out this contracting yeah. problem. Yes. So can um, I need to call yes. like an outside One expert. of my very first clients used to call me, you're just our general contractor. Yeah, like, exactly. Yes, that's exactly right. Or course correction. Yeah. You know, you need a little like course correction. You're on, and as like, there's a great um, book, gosh. John would know the title. Essentially, like we. But you have to tell him who John is. John oh, feels John like John is... feels like the god, like something. Like, who's well, John? he's my, my uh, a colleague at Blend. He uh, sees individuals and specializes in performance, and um, he's going to be on the platform. Yes, yeah, you'll awesome. be hearing him around acceptance, commitment therapy, and mindfulness, and um, we bring on a lot of. Um, theoretical frameworks that really inform the way in which we practice and something we always share with clients is we've all been lost in these woods yeah for a very long time I've just been on the trail maybe a little bit longer or I got a more clear map than maybe you did and I'm here to course correct with you Mm -hmm. or to be a general contractor to shift your foundation this way or to move you know feng shui your furniture one way or another right that's the other piece too is perspective therapists and the therapeutic space can simply and it's not simple but offer you perspective not change but offer perspective and your job is not to agree with the therapist it is to be able to stop and think and consider and reflect on a different perspective so yeah that's so when I I mean I've been in um I I did uh analysis I was telling Brooke before this I did analysis for oh my god too many years um no offense people who do analysis it was not helpful for me Uh, I need like a relationship can you imagine me I like (laughs) psychoanalysis is is it's quite a experience it's an experience and, it's, and and okay if you go to analysis and it works for you excellent it did not work for me have yet to meet have you okay. i have met one too many people that have come with like, additional right. trauma from the analysis exactly so. that's it. so you know and i didn't really know how to like stop that relationship and one of the most interesting things i'm watching with a few of my friends too is they like don't know how to their codependent patterns 
and the things that they're working on in therapy are the exact reasons that they can't break up with their therapist. And so they're reinforcing some of those patterns like, oh, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings or, oh, like, you know, these, this is, I've been with them for so long. And yeah, it's like, not a hairdresser. Folks. Ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and so I guess, you know, for people out there who've been with a therapist, how do you know it's working? Um, how do you know when you've grown out of your therapist and how do you break up with them? I think we should answer those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you know it's working it can be an interesting and slippery slope for folks that may not have a strong sense of self yet. So they're not quite sure what works and depending on their history or their narrative might not have a good gauge of like a healthy this works. Yeah. So that's where looking at and asking others around you for help in terms of seeking out a therapist is a good first start in terms of making sure that that match is appropriate if it is your first time and you are a little wobbly, you don't have a good strong sense of like whether you're going to trust, maybe trust is not something that inherently comes easy to you or perhaps you have trust issues in the sense of maybe trusting spaces and folks that aren't otherwise healthy. So I think the important piece is to be able to do your research, do your homework, making sure that that first time therapeutic match yeah. provides you with good biopsychosocial assessments, which are really important for clinicians to be able to look at your whole picture and to be able to examine whether you're in a therapeutic match that will align with the history that you're coming in with. So okay. if there's any trauma history, if there's substance use and abuse, those are pieces and parts along with attachment issues of family systems that yeah. you should be looking for or you and should their be... credentials or their specialties. Credentials, or... specialties, licensing is important as is experience in the field. So mental health credentialing and licensing requires different hours depending on the credentials and the licensing across the board, but also looking to see if the therapists have spent any time in the public sector um, okay. In other fields, if they've gotten experience beyond the private practice, so many folks move right into private practice, and there is some value in really being able to have a strong background in some of that biopsychosocial assessment, being able to have the space to be able to really look at the bigger picture to be able to make sure that that's aligned with the therapist. So therapeutic match-wise, I think being able to lean into people that you trust, you're family members, partners, bosses, friends, to be able to say, hey, I'm ready for therapists. Do you know anyone? Yeah, that's what I would do. I would ask I think who's in your network that you can do some good old-fashioned networking with? Yep. Find a list, comb through it, run through some consultations. You will feel something. Yeah. You either feel connected or disconnected. You will Mm -hmm. either feel heightened or not. You will have some kind of response Safety is Mm -hmm. something that's really important and no rush. I think what you want to start to look for is can I just like bleh with this person for a while? And Mm -hmm. (laughs) since people can't see me, I just was like, yeah, put it on it for this person. It feels it's just a feeling. It's the good old fashioned. Yeah, this is how I, think I that felt. There's a I decrease feel... of shame too, like, and that takes time. But the things that you wouldn't tell somebody else, the because shame keeps things like in this dark little cupboard. And um, Brooke and I were talking about Brooke, Brooke's practice specializes in addiction. So if you are somebody who's struggling with addiction, definitely reach out to them. Um, and not, that's not the only thing, but 
That is one aspect of it. it. Yeah, yeah they, she loves it. Um, but I think that we were talking about how when you're in an active addiction or you're even in recovery, there's sort of this shame closet that everything sits in. And I find when I was working with uh, the therapist that I work with now, um, Dr. Elisa Bayer, I'm totally open. I tell everybody I work with her. I try to send as many people to her as I can because she's the best. Um, but she, I've noticed that I would like, the things I would never say to somebody else, I was like, oh, I can tell you. like, what? But I still have to like pre- preface it like, okay, I have to tell you this thing that I've been thinking lately and I'm not sure if it's like a bad thought or a good thought or, you know, and over time, it was like, you know all the windows that are going on inside of me and I'm not afraid to still show up and say hello to you. And that to me was like, and oh, probably such a marker. no longer apologizing or maybe yep. front end loading. Exactly. So yes, it should be really, you know, the consistent piece of therapy and what you hear around like, airing everything out it is a safe space yeah to be able to like let everything out of your head out of your nothing needs to make sense there doesn't need to be some master treatment plan to go along with it a space to be able to just like let let it it all out and that's a feeling um and paying attention to you know parts that might not Mm. feel safe to do that or parts of yourself that might feel like oh well i want to you know impress my therapist or I want my therapist to like no no this is all about you yeah and your feeling and whether this is a safe trusted space for you to be able to open up and just yeah something talk without any you know and really no expectation around it detach from the outcome speak your truth be in there it's the such a great gift to be able to find that Mm. something that um I also would say and then we'll go to our final question which is be open to different things. So, you know, she started doing some visualization with me and I was like, this is shit. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this? This is not going to work. And actually, it was one of the things that worked the best for the thing that I was working on at the time. And so mm-hmm. if you go and you find a therapist or you're trying different things, like that's one of the reasons now we offer journaling and, and nidra and different aspects of, you know, a more of a mental practice on the yoga mat is for that exact reason. So you know, do your best to come in open-minded because you might be surprised at the thing that sort of unhooks your your perspective. Yeah. Being open and then patient. Yeah, patient. Which is back to the pace piece and the slow growth is what we always call it. Like there is yeah. a reason why we're not diagnosing you and not putting a treatment plan together right away. Right. We're just holding the space yeah and if we don't feel like a great match for you what are we doing to either complement the match or pull someone else in I think again it goes back to autonomy and choice for the individual you get to create this plan the mental health system does not get to put it together for you yeah so if you came in with an underlying diagnosis great we can re-examine that or perhaps you need to see someone over here with a psychiatrist over here right. and an EMDR specialist over here, being able to piece it together and you getting more and more familiar with the mental health arena in the space will get you closer and closer to what your jam berry is and where the magic is. So, Yeah, and we'll talk. We're going to do a segment on what is EMDR because it's so profound. And I have a personal story with it that was like super awesome. So if you're listening in, just keep your ears peeled. We're, we'll do a little segment on what is EMDR 
or go Google it because mm-hmm. it's super effective for a lot of people. Um, so let's just talk about the breakup because there's so many people who get stuck. I, I did too. I was, I think we started with that on psychoanalysis. I like didn't know what to do. So I like ghosted, right? Like I was like 20, I think 27. And I was like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't, I'm ghost. Yeah. You know? And I, I think that that also was like a level of my maturity that I didn't know how to handle this conversation. There was a little codependency there. And like, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want you to think badly about yourself. And there's so many people that I'm like, I'm like, how long have you been with the same therapist? 10 years. I'm like, what? And you're what's going on? Yeah, we should be fired by then. Huh? (laughs) Like the the person that I've seen, like we were together for two years. Then I hadn't seen her for two years. And now during COVID, I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, uncle COVID <laughs> uncle like I cannot take this this is way too much for me you know and now we're re-engaged again and the plan is not to have this for the rest of my life it's understanding the the points where you go okay I need to re-engage yeah. with you you know I know Elisa she'll just kick us out like I know somebody else that she saw and I was like oh do you still see Elisa she's like he's like no she she graduated me and I just was like I don't want to leave you <laughs> and she's like get out of my office I'm done with you so how do you, what would be your recommendation? How do you know it's time um, to move on? And what kind of conversation would you recommend somebody have? So first, if you've been seeing an individual therapist for, let's just use an arbitrary, you know, for a period of time. So you have found a match, you've been seeing a therapist for six months to a year, let's just say one to two times a month. I'm just kind of averaging yeah. this out. Sure. I say that only because... You should start to pay attention if you're lily padding, I call it, before then, and you're hopping around, hopping around. Like, what is happening that I'm hopping around? Yes, you should interview. Yes, you should shop. But what are you doing while you're interviewing to collect nuggets about what is being resurrected when you're in these spaces? And what is avoidance? Yeah. (laughs) What is discomfort? And what is just not a good match? And that's hard to do, but you just have to be committed to that process. So... Once you're established, part of it is stage and age of life. I think, yeah. you know, um, depending on where you are in your stage of age of life is your ability to be able to navigate and exit relationships. You don't owe your, th- you can ghost your therapist. You can say, yeah. it's been real. No, thank you. I think thinking about cancellation policies and, you know, on the clinician's end, they call it termination of services, which is a really... I think intense word to use when you think about how intimate your friendship was. Yes. In your relationship yes. That they and, call yeah. it terminating a client is the clinical uh, term when ending a relationship. So knowing that that's a responsibility that we have on our end, thinking again about your choice and what that looks like to be able to transition on. And it can be as candid as you possibly can make it. I would really encourage folks to really, especially women, like speak your truth. This didn't work out for me because I just didn't feel comfortable with you. When I walked into your office, I felt uh, judged. I felt these nonverbals. If you have the capacity to do that, I would encourage folks to use their voice to fully describe what it was that they experienced. Yeah. That neither it's positive nor, you know, it doesn't mean it has to equal any kind of outcome other than right. you are defining mostly for yourself right. what was no longer a therapeutic match. So when you seek out a new therapist, 
you have a good idea of like, this is what worked at the beginning. And this is what I felt at the end when it was time for me to, to move on. Um, when you start to feel like you might be doing more of the heavy lifting than your therapist. Yeah. Um, is a good example of I should take a minute, start to look. Am I therapizing her or him? Is she or he getting more out of this than I'm getting out of this? Is she really holding me accountable? Mm-hmm. What are the feelings that I'm... It's Again, it goes back to those feelings. And be mindful of the feelings rather than the absolute outcomes that may or may not be happening in your life. So that's the other piece is be careful with measuring well, this therapist hasn't done X, Y, and Z for me. I haven't gotten to this spot yet. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to be better by now. I was supposed to be fixed. My, my thought patterns were supposed to shift. Um, unless you've had a real candid conversation with the therapist about it. Hey, we're not getting as far as I thought we would. Could I? So again, that's just practicing. Your voice. Your voice. And that's what I would recommend. And I say especially with females because we just don't do a great job with even breaking up with. We're just so kind which is great. You can be kind, loving, and compassionate and also very clear mm-hmm. and assertive. Mm-hmm. And that that's not aggressive. It's being assertive and clear and giving your therapist, we want feedback. Right. We are just as, we have things going on in our world too in terms of like that feedback is important to us. So that breakup and being able to do it in a way that you are feeling supported is the most important Would you do piece. it over a text message? Could you do it over the phone? Do you do it in person? You know, I think you have to ask yourself, do I, am I willing and it, was there a connection with this therapist where I want to be able to really speak my truth? I'm going to practice this by saying, hey, therapist, I just don't think we're moving fast enough. And I'm, I was really expecting X, Y, and Z out of you. And we're not getting there. See if there's space where the therapist moves back. Otherwise, email communication, if you have, oftentimes text messaging is, sometimes it's open for clients, sometimes it's not. So any kind of written communication would be a great way to be able to start practicing that voice, particularly if you're not entirely comfortable in that therapeutic space. Mm -hmm. Um, And that should tell you something. If you're not quite ready to do it in person, then just give yourself some grace and space to be able to do that in a written form and that should be fine no i think that's great i and for those that are struggling i think a lot of people struggle with that specific moment um and remembering that it's not you can go back to the same therapist i think that that's something that's interesting too allowing yourself to be on a continuum oh for sure yeah and that there's these you know, in the field, these stages of change, and we're all in them at different periods of time in terms of being able to be pre-contemplative about something, contemplative Mm. action. And we hover as humans in the pre-contemplative and contemplative, Eh, thinking about making this change in my life. And really, it does come back to you making the change. That therapist is your course correction, your general contractor. Mm -hmm. There is a feng shui perception shift that the movement has to start with you and it is hard work it's difficult it's painful it's uncomfortable right so being honest with yourself about why am i transitioning from this therapist or what do i need differently now that Mm -hmm. i've evolved i had a therapist for in my 20s that i don't think i could have handled what my current therapist delivers to me when i was in my 20s i needed that person yeah in that period of my life to be um warm and unconditional and really supportive 
Right. This one now punches me in the face, and that's really what I want and need. And I want that. So I think it's this willingness of saying, here's what I want out of this therapeutic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that creates that relationship of trust, too. So using your voice and Great. our feelings shouldn't get hurt. We're not here. I always tell my team members, be prepared to either get switched up fired, transitioned. We're not here to get a standing ovation or a cartwheel, really. We're, we're here to open the door, open the space, and hopefully we've start started the journey with you and we're one step. And that every mental health care provider is a part of your journey and you get to kind of weave alongside mm-hmm. us all. So Awesome. Yeah. We're well, huge on matchmaking. We send folks around. I think we do probably like two or three consultations hoping that. And I don't know if people... It confuses folks sometimes when we offer multiple practitioners yeah. in one consultation. Well, I've met her whole team, and they're <laughs> they're all different. Yeah, you know, and they but they all have like such um, interesting specialties, and it, it just feels so competent. I guess is the right way. Uh, you, in you. the within the group, you know, I got to be on a Zoom call and ask them like five million questions. You know, <laughs> and their competency is so apparent. Um, so how do people get in touch with you if they're interested in scheduling an appointment, scheduling a consultation, whatever, you know, an initial, um, yeah. how do they reach you? So we offer a few consultations. You can reach us at uh, info at blendhealth.com. But it's so B-L-N-D. Blend, B-L-N-D, health.com. I'll share my personal cell, which is 269 Whoa, <laughs> seven, the digits, Give it Brooke. Digits okay, all right, here you go. Ready, folks? 269-716-0116. Uh, we also have another number, which is 269-998-1005. You have to do that so much slower. Do that last one. Do that second one slower. <laughs> Two six nine 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 eight one zero zero five. I feel like we're on this like t- like info commercial now, yeah. like from the nineties. Get, get your consultation, <laughs> QVC. And we love email us. We love hearing from you directly. What we, yeah. One of our missions is to be able to put you in human contact with someone immediately. Um, to be able to sort of sort through your case, to be able to either pull you into our care or get you in the right hands in the community. So giving away our personal contact information and our cells, you know, I would probably do that if all my team members, if I had them all memorized. But check us out on our Instagram, which is at Blend Health. Um, our webpage will be updated here shortly. Yeah, and you guys will be on the digital platform. We're launching that in October. Mm-hmm. Um, 2020. We'll a, so if you're listening to this in 2021, don't don't think something else is happening. Um, but, or contact Casey Must and she'll, she'll okay. get a hold of me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Send me more emails, guys, and text me. My two favorite forms of communication. Um, but yeah, so Brooke is going to be a regular staple and her team. And so you guys are going to get to meet so many people in the season of after class. We'll talk a lot more about mental health. Um, so thank you so much for this session. I'm sure it's such a funny topic, but I think really, really needed before we launch into mental health work because you need to find the voice to say like, this works, this doesn't work, and I'm done. Yeah, and, and becoming comfortable with that space where you get to own your own voice and your own your own journey. And that's something that some of us aren't familiar with so it is going to feel a little crunchy and and odd at first but just keep following that and you'll you'll get the feeling and you'll get the vibe so we're really happy to be a part of this and 
Thank I'd you. love to come back. I'd love to talk about addiction and recovery the next time I'm here with you. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, so. All right. Thanks, Brooke. Thank you.